Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm Robin Robertson, the creator and host of the show. And if you don't already know me, I'm also a fellow homeschooling parent of two wonderful people. So I hope you're enjoying your summer or winter, depending on what side of the world you're living on. It is July 2021 right now, and I'm sharing this date because depending on when you listen to this episode, I want you to know about two wonderful events that are happening. Two homeschooling summits, actually. The first is a free virtual event happening July 14th to July 25th, and it's called the Conscious Homeschooling Unschooling Summit. And I do have the link in the show notes if you want to just go there and click to connect and see the website and sign up if you want, or just type in theliberatedchild.com slash Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. But the summit does feature myself as a keynote speaker. Uh, That will be on July the 14th that I begin, as well as I think there's 22 guests in total. But the cool thing is, is There's a few of the guests on the summit or the speakers on the summit that have been guests on this podcast, like Jean-Marie Paynell, who came on the show to talk about Montessori learning, Mara Leinenberger, who's been on the show a couple of times. Mara is fantastic. I love Mara. She's a friend of mine. She speaks about micro schools and how to build micro schools. If you're looking for an alternative form of education, if you cannot homeschool or, or want something different in that environment. And Jen Sutherland, who is a homeschooling, world schooling parent, who started out world schooling just for the year, but ended up world schooling her kids all the way to adulthood. (laughs) So those are a few that you might recognize from the podcast that are also on the summit. And the summit is really looking at, uh, you know, if you're curious on finding out about a new conscious way of educating your child. Maybe your child's highly sensitive. You're looking for ways to raise conscious, self-aware kids and self-reliant global citizens. This summit is for you then. And on this summit, I'm talking about supporting learning and our children in a way that connects, that respects their interests and respects them, and encourages confidence. And I'm also speaking to specific examples of how we do that within our own family, within our home schooling environment. And um, yeah, I hope you find out I talk about very specific examples, especially things that have been happening lately. So the link is in the show notes. I would love to have you be part of it. So the second awesome event, and it does actually have awesome included in the title, so it's a great usage, (laughs) is called How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler. And it's a very special event because this is an event that's created and organized specifically for the homeschooling community by my friend Kelly Edwards of the 90-Minute School Day, and who also is today's guest on the show, and myself. So yes, the two of us have been working hard behind the scenes to create the first ever homeschooling summit on the Clubhouse app. The first ever. And we're excited. It's one day, August 6th. It will be live. And it is accessible to anyone on the Clubhouse app. But you are welcome. Everyone is welcome on the Clubhouse app. So it's one day and it runs on three cornerstone themes for homeschooling. And that is connection calm, and confidence. And we have three keynote speakers that are also all past guests of the show and who I love and I love connecting with and learning from. And they are going to be speaking. There's one speaker for each theme. So Rachel Rainbolt of Sage Family is speaking to the theme of connection. Demetria Giles is speaking to calm 
And Gina Riley is speaking to confidence. And then after each keynote event or each keynote discussion, Kelly and I will be hosting a separate Q&A after that as well. So if you're on the Clubhouse app, the event is open to you. Uh, we are asking you to go to the website, howtobeanawesomehomeschooler.com, to sign up. Because when you sign up, you will have access to a whole bunch of other freebies. So we are going to record the segments. And so then you will have access to the recordings. There are freebies and specials from the keynote speakers, as well as from myself and Kelly and other home home educating companies uh, and resources that you might really enjoy or already know that are offering giveaways and other special things for the summit. So definitely sign up. It's worth it. Plus, we have a few other special surprises. And when you sign up, if you're looking for the Clubhouse invite, you'll receive that as well. And the steps. We provide a video of how the app works and how to sign up and do all of that sort of stuff. So please come to the summit. If you have questions, DM me. And we are excited. August 6th. Remember, it starts August 6th, the morning of August 6th. I'm excited, y'all. This is going to be good. Okay, so now let's get into our episode here. So like I said, my guest today is Kelly Edwards, who is my partner for this summit, for this homeschooling summit, How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler. She's a friend of mine. We actually met on the Clubhouse app. It's funny. And then we just connected and we've been, you know, just kind of hanging out just on the phone or virtually or however we can because we live so far away ever since quite a bit. So listen to this episode. Kelly is fantastic. She is a wonderful parent. She is an adoptive mom, foster parent for many years as well, uh, educator, and she has got some you know great tools on, and how she talks about what helps her to manage homeschooling and create a fun environment for everyone, including the parent. And she does it in what she calls the 90-minute school day. She says, that's enough. That's good. 90 minutes is good. So you can also find her on her website, 90minuteschoolday.com, and, or in the show notes. I have all the links to Kelly as well. So enjoy the episode, everyone. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at the summit. Uh, and How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler is a live one, so we might be able to in- interact live as well. Take care. So today I have Kelly Edwards joining me. Welcome, Kelly. I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm so excited to be here, Robin. Thank you for having me. If you don't already know, Kelly and I actually know each other outside of the podcast, so this is going to be a lot of fun. We we usually get a lot of giggles and laughs in when we have our conversations, so I think it'll probably go similarly as to how you and I roll. Yes. (laughs) So other than being a friend of mine and someone that I like to enjoy some good laughs with here, Kelly Edwards is the creator of the 90-Minute School Day which is a lifestyle approach to education. The 90-minute school day method connects children with learning in their natural environment, which is at home with their family, and it's designed for pre-K through to sixth grade. Kelly is passionate about home education, connecting families through attachment, learning as a lifestyle, and helping children and parents identify their purpose. Mm -hmm. Kelly is entering her seventh year as a homeschool mom. She lives in the Shenandoah Valley. Did I say that correctly? You did. Shenandoah, mm-hmm. all right, of West Virginia, with her husband and three girls ages 13, 
six, and three. She is a licensed foster parent, successful entrepreneur, and community citizen. She uses her professional and personal experience to guide the homeschooling parent with a framework and system to overcome the overwhelm that affects each of us. You can learn more about her by visiting 90minuteschoolday.com or follow her on Instagram at 90minuteschoolday. And 90 is 9-0. All right. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for that beautiful intro. <laughs> I'm excited. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you got into homeschooling. Why did it present itself as the right choice for your family? All right. Well, we got into homeschooling uh, fairly early on in our parenting journey. And uh, my oldest, who is now 13, came to us uh, when she was six. I am also a foster adoptive mom in addition to being a homeschool mom. And um, she came to us as a foster child um, at six, and she went through kindergarten and first grade. And the public school system did an excellent job um, educating her academically, but she was needing a little bit more from a, like an emotional standpoint. And so my husband and I like started scratching our heads and doing our homework, and um, realized that for her needs, attachment um, was what we wanted to focus on. And homeschooling seemed to be the right choice. So that's kind of how uh, we got our toes in this water. And um, we've been kind of enjoying it year to year at the beginning. Um, but uh, now it's a lifestyle and we are homeschoolers. So that's kind of how we started homeschooling. Okay. Okay. So then maybe could you give us an example of, so you said she got what really kind of her academic needs through school, but... Uh, you wanted to support her more on the on an emotional side and an attachment side. What did that look like for your homeschooling? How were you able to do that where in the ways that you felt that the school wasn't able to do that? So, um, you know, coming to us at six and having been attached to her biological family, um, we needed to form attachments with adoption, but that's just kind of like how you form attachments with your newborn. And, um, the ability to keep her in our home and not having to have her in the school system for the majority of her time. Because when you really think about a traditional school environment, you're getting them out the door, either in the car or the school bus uh, early in the morning, and then they come home mid to late afternoon. And by the time you've gotten snacks and talked about the day, done homework, it's dinner time, and your day's sort of gone. Um, and so for us, we really wanted to have the freedom and flexibility to focus on what she needed, which was more emotional and attachment um, development, and then also academics. But I did it all wrong because I, I didn't know any better. I, I, I'd been through the traditional school system myself. I've been to public and private school um, in my own learning journey, and that's what I knew. So when we went into homeschooling, we read a lot of books, we went to homeschool conferences, and it just seemed the right thing to do to buy a boxed curriculum, set up a desk, and um, say the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning and sit down and go through um, learning at home subject by subject, um, which is a, a huge deviation from how we educate now in our home. Um, but initially, it was, a, I think that first year, we started off doing about six hours a day. She was in second grade. So 
that's a little hardcore. I kind of laugh at it now. She and I laugh at it together. (laughs) We know better. Um, There was a lot of battles and we learned a lot. Like failure is not necessarily um, a total failure. I believe that failure is a good teacher. And so we now know what not to do. And um, so our homeschooling has certainly taken um, a great journey away from that much time. Now we only do it in 90 minutes a day, if that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I think we all learn as we go, right? It's it's, sometimes it's a trial and error and the practice of patience and flexibility and understanding like that patience of slowing down and being, being willing to look at things and go, oh, you know what, this is working. This is not working and let's change it. And maybe we need to slowly change it, give something time and then yeah, be flexible to, to work in what's needed and, and let go of what's not needed. And yeah, but that's also the beauty of homeschooling, right? To be oh, able absolutely. To yeah. And just getting to explore these options and, you know, you're chartering your own course that it's kind of like there was a series. I don't know if you read it when I think we're about the same age, but um, growing up with um, called Choose Your Own Adventure, and you could kind of, like read along oh, yeah. these stories. I like, loved those when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's what homeschooling is. It's like, well, this didn't work out so well. Let's go back and redirect. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so what other values are really important for you in your homeschooling life, in your learning life? Oh, well, that's such a great question. Um, our my values and our family's values kind of drill down to we are a faith-based family um, and family values. And then just having freedom. We're entrepreneurs. My husband and I um, are both entrepreneurs. He is currently um, working a full-time job with a corporation, but we have a successful um, business that we run um also. And, and this is just a lifestyle choice for us that we truly enjoy. Like we can pick up and, and travel. He currently works remote. So we're able to kind of, um, augment our family life because of homeschooling and, um, to be able to travel, to be able to, uh, help out with extended family members who may not live nearby. We can just kind of pick up and help them. And, um, you know, we can kind of choose our own adventure really, um, on how we live our lives. And I think that, one thing my husband and I were joking about last summer is just we kind of inadvertently were a pandemic proof family because of how we'd already structured our lives. And we just saw the fruits of that kind of come forward as in the early days of this pandemic, our family really wasn't as disrupted as uh, many in our community. And for that, we are so thankful. Um, and then it also kind of brought an awareness to reach out and help and um, help guide where we can, just because we've already lived some of these experiences that people were going through the first time. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, your seventh year of homeschooling. So it's kind of like it's an old hat for you, really. By the time the, the pandemic had set in and you guys would have your groove, you knew what you needed, and then you can help support others around you with that. Right. Yes. I mean, I'm still learning daily and failing daily, but, you know, we, we, we were over a, a lot of the big hurdles. And I think, you know, that transition coming from a traditional schooling background as the adult and the parent in charge of a child's ed- education is really a large thing. And to kind of uh, be able to say, hey, no worries, don't worry about this year. You know, if 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 it doesn't work out the way you were planning, that doesn't mean that their, their future is compromised, that, that learning is natural. It happens. And um, we can come alongside and do these things, whether you're virtual schooling or you have your child in school and there's a lot of new ways to do school in person 
or not. Um, and then so many families that I know chose to homeschool for the first time because they weren't uh, comfortable with the other options being made available to, available to them. And, and many of them have just kind of found the joy of homeschooling throughout this process. And I think that that's a good thing. There's been a lot of good things that have come out of the pandemic. And, you know, I, I try to choose to focus on those and uh, create an awareness and uh, understanding. And it's definitely important to focus on the other ones. But um, positivity is always a good thing to try to focus on. Yeah. Yeah, it is focusing on the good. Absolutely. So then can I ask you as a foster parent is, you know, because one of the priorities you're talking about as well with choosing to homeschooling your one of your whys is attachment, um, is that emotional um, support and security. Do you do you feel that being a foster parent that becomes even more vital or do you feel that across the board it doesn't matter? that that should be still a vital part of our learning life and homeschooling? Oh, I think it's vital for everyone. I really do. I think, you know, homeschooling starts with connection and any relationship does. And, and learning is a relationship we learn from each other. Um, we learn from our fellow humans we do life with. We learn from the people that we're exposed to, good, bad, and otherwise. We're always picking up um, you know, that's how our brains work. The mirror, mirror neurons in our brains model um, what we see. Even a yawn, you know, if you yawn, you, you kind of inadvertently kind of pass it along in, in the room you're sitting in. And um, I, I think that's what's so brilliant about it. But then it's also important to understand in the home learning environment, because when we're um, uh, in an emotional place where we're not feeling connected to whomever we're with, learning kind of stops because you're kind of upper house brain your thinking brain shuts down and you go into your emotional brain, which is more geared towards fight or flight. And I think that that is something that is, I, I have grown and developed a lot of knowledge on uh, neuroscience because of trauma and being a foster parent and just reading all of um, the ways that trauma affects the brain has helped me have an understanding of myself and have an understanding of my fellow man or, or child. And I, I truly believe that con connection is at the bottom of every good relationship and having good healthy boundaries is where we can start to build our relationship with others and our relationship with attaining knowledge and whether that's academic, social, emotional, um, spiritual, physical, all of these things. We are holistic people as in a whole and we have overlapping layers. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's important for all of us. I, I really think it's the, you know, that greater underlying um, idea or power or belief that we really are all truly connected, mm -hmm. um, but somehow we've found a lot of disconnection as time has gone on. And I think really, you know, I think for many of us, starting from the home on building that connection will only help the greater good. It only will help and serve the broader community, um, especially for our young ones as they they understand if they become um, more emotionally in tune, if they have that connected foundation, that will only help them in their broader relationships as they grow and get older and are adults and citizens in our world, right? It, it starts, it, it's giving them that, that good place to launch from. And especially, and, and, I, and I understand with trauma-informed parenting and learning, um, you know, 
our brains and what we have been learning with neuroscience, especially now in like the last 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. um, the information we have is just completely shifted how it, uh, the ideas that we had around all of that before and how our brains worked and the necessity for building the, that connection when it comes to learning the safety and security and the, the, the connection and those for those reinforcements for our pathways and neurons. To, to set the stage for our learning. Absolutely. That's beautifully put. And, and it, it's so true that our, uh, the family is designed to be kind of the incubator and to launch our little nestlings out into the world mm. and, and just giving them what they need in all four areas of what makes an individual, um, you know, all of it, physical, uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual, like all of that is so important to really give them a good foundation and groundwork with which to work with once they leave the nest. Uh, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I love it. And I love the, the family is the incubator. That's yeah, that is, that's a really good um, metaphor, a good, great analogy for that. Cause it, you know, when you leave the nest, we have our little chickies and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the incubation absolutely is important because as you know, when you're, if you've incubated eggs, <laughs> there are those conditions that really support the hatching, right. And, and going out and being, um, being able to be, to grow and to be independent. And, you know, sometimes it's the right amount of heat and the right, right. amount of care and the right amount of like not touching as well right hands off not trying to interfere with the eggs too much and Mm -hmm. sometimes they have to be turned and you know to make sure that it's evenly distributed you know all all of those conditions the moisture and humidity is actually a lot of things right (laughs) (laughs) I know we had we incubated you know we incubated uh, chicken eggs for the first time with my kids this spring and the power went out for six hours and I had uh, like, I don't know, I was having the apoplectic fit and I threw a blanket over it and there was nothing I could do and, you know, said a prayer. But, and, you know, they're amazingly resilient. They still have. Yes. So I, there's that too. Yes. I, I love this metaphor we've got going on, Robin. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And it just came when you said that, you know, the family's an incubator. It's true. And, it, and then sometimes those things happen, Right. Not right. expected the power goes out and we're like, oh, what are we going to do? Is this the end of all? Like, what are we going to do? And we just do the best that we can, right? It's like you said, thing. you threw a blanket over top, you pray, you, you know, you're just like, we just do the best that we can for each of our circumstances and our reality. And, you know, and we are, and it's true, our, you know, we're re- resilient. Our young ones are resilient. Our kids are resilient. So, yeah, and sometimes it's just having that little bit of faith as well, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Let, let's keep note of this, the incubation stage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another question because I know you've talked about this before as well. Um, you've talked about a living education. What is a living education to you? I, what does that mean? I love talking about a living education. Um, but to me, and I'm sure that people can define this different ways. But for me, a living education is truly just living life and uh, learning alongside each other naturally. Like you and I just gave this beautiful example of just this (laughs) little thing I said, and then we're both kind of rolling down the train tracks with this uh, amazing metaphor that really does sum up homeschooling. And homeschooling is um, just learning. And, And whether you homeschool or not, you're still a homeschooling parent. You're the one who's sitting down with your children 
um, helping them with their homework. You're the one on the weekends that's pointing out different things. If you have a farm or have an experience like this, or, or you have some nestlings in a tree in your yard, you're, you're teaching your children what you know, and they're asking questions that you cannot answer and you find out together. And that, that is to me, what a living education is, there's context, the children can grasp what's going on because they're doing it in real life with another person. And, um, you know, children are teachers to each other. They, if you know how to do something, then you're able to teach someone else that something. And so playing is how children teach each other and, and continue to learn. And when we read, we stop and have discussions, we put on voices, we envelop the character and develop empathy. That's social emotional right there. And Working, talking, adventuring, these are all things that I would define as a living education. It's just living life together. And and for me as the parent teacher to kind of remember that I don't have to know everything. I'm just the leader. I've got a little bit more life and a little bit more experience um, behind me. I'm more of a mentor. And if I can kind of remember that, that I'm just here to facilitate their quest for knowledge. And we're fellow like sojourners on the path. Um, so that's kind of where I would define a living education. And, and the fuel of a living education is, is curiosity. It's the hunger that we have to uh, learn from our experiences, from experts and resources and failure. So that's how mm. I would define it, Robin. Yeah, yeah. So then how does that play out? Can you give us an example of how that plays out in your home? kind of like how that would play out in a day or a week if we were come to coming to observe your family <laughs> to visit. <laughs> come to visit my family. Sometimes we look very scholastic indeed and we might be curled up on the couch reading lots of books or um, you know, we might be doing an activity that kind of pertains and ties in in some way. Often we'll be reading a book and one of my children will ask if we can do something that we're reading about. Um, you know, it might be, a, you know, oh, they're having a tea party. Can we have a tea party? Or, oh, I would like to know more about uh, this country than this setting that we're, we're reading about. Um, so that that might be kind of a, another way of like how a living education sort of erupts and, and interrupts. And when you homeschool, you have the flexibility to choose if you're going to go kind of down that wormhole. And if you want to do it now, or if you're like, that's a great idea, let's schedule time to do that because you've already got things going on that day. Um, you have the flexibility to make it happen. And then you learn your children, you know. Um, but like an example just from today would be, I had to go to the DMV earlier today to, um, which is the Department of Motor Vehicles. Uh, I don't know, what do they call it in Canada? We don't really have a, here where I live, it's um, privately owned now. So it's like a, the re- Oh, Registra- okay. Insurance and registration, I guess. <laughs> okay, well, it's different. Uh, yeah. Well, here it's in the United States, yeah. we have the Department of Motor Motor Vehicles, which um, that's an interesting place to go to, especially on a Friday. And um, you know, I went in there with an appointment, but um, I had apparently not confirmed it correctly, and it had gotten rescheduled for next month. And so I had this like living example of how you work with a DMV with my children because they were there with me and. I explained to the lady um, what happened and she was just like, okay, come back later today at 345 and you can sneak in right before we close the doors. So she gave me like a hot tip. (laughs) So I'll be doing that after we finish up here today. Okay. But it was kind of an example. I used it as like um, a character development point to my children by saying, you know, 
I, it was my mistake on not hitting the correct button and it turned into something else. And I owned that to this woman mm. and um, I didn't give her an excuse. I took personal responsibility for, um, you know, I, it was an honest mistake on my part and I didn't mean to do it. And she saw that and she had um, empathy for me and gave me a hot tip seeing me with the kids in the full room, not to stick around, but uh, come back right before closing and they could get to me. So and that just kind of shows them that honesty is the best policy. You know, take personal responsibility. If you make a mistake, don't try to cover it up or blame someone else. Just own it, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and it, it's going to work out. It, it always does. And and so I feel like um, that is kind of a key learning today that I didn't schedule. And homeschooling is full of that. And and that's a, a beautiful thing. I love having those moments with my children to be able to impart our family values uh, because. Anyone else that has charge over my child, I would hope would also impart that value, but I don't know because they're not with me. Right, right. Um, Yeah, yeah, that is very true. And and then I guess I was going to say, and that's part of the the beauty of homeschooling too. Sometimes, you know, when we go to school, um, there are many other guides, educators, and influencers (laughs) that, um, yeah, that that direct our children that sometimes we don't even know. Um, Sometimes maybe the values don't align. And um, for the most part, we're just putting the trust in and hoping, hoping that, that it does in that way. But with homeschooling, like we do have um, that, I guess, freedom, flexibility, but also that chance to, to keep reaffirming and realigning, realigning our values. And I, I like how, when you were talking about, you could show, you know, that's a great example of that connection and interaction with others and right. how our choice of how we decide to in, take things ourselves, interpret and take responsibility for things, how it then um, influences the rest of the things in our day and in our life and our interaction with others. And then it really does it, you know, it can affect our mood, whatever else we have happening in the day, how it really is kind of like the, um, the dominoes almost. In effect, yes. Right? Yes. You can tie it all together because you're with your children all day. And, you yeah. know, um, that's something that is a benefit of homeschooling is they have the continuity of, you know, being with you and being with their siblings, if they're siblings and whomever else that you're doing life with that day. Yeah, absolutely. So then I, cause you know, we've had this discussion a bit before as well, because, you know, we unschool and, and like you guys are pretty eclectic, like we are as well. I think, you know, we, we do, we're eclectic. We go with our kids, our children's interests. So sometimes, you know, for, it's going to look a little bit different for my son, for example, than it will for my daughter. My daughter Mm -hmm. might, you know, usually wants a little bit more structure than my son would, um, or, you know, varies on the season even, or the month or the day. Um, and for you, I know you say that for you, you like having a little bit of structure set for the day. And, you know, for you, for your family, that looks like 90 minutes or less. Um, so could you talk a little bit about the 90-minute school day, how it came about, but especially how it works within your family? What that means? Does that mean that you have 15 minutes with a timer set for every subject? Does that mean that it's per day 90 minutes of reading on Monday, 90 minutes of math on Tuesday, 90 minutes of science on Wednesday? What what does it look like for you? 
That is a good question. Well, it's not 90 minutes for math, uh, definitely, because that's just not kind. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, lo- I love this question. And I, and I think what's so um, interesting is, because um, you and I are very similar, I, I believe, and we both, for mm-hmm. me, I, I'm like your daughter. I need more structure. That's how my personality works. I'm yeah. type A, and I like to have a structure, and I like to know what's going to happen next. Um, and I like that so that I can be really um, impetuous in the moment, and I have the freedom to change plans on the fly, and I can kind of exercise being more fun because I've accounted for my time ahead of time. I'm being proactive instead of reactive. So that's where the 90 minutes works for me. So I, I, and I know you do this too. I work off of a rhythm, not a schedule. I would define a schedule as like a timed to-do list and a rhythm is something that's a little bit more natural and every family has one. You, you have the person that wakes up early, you have the person that doesn't, that stays up late and everyone sort of has kind of a natural flow that things kind of fall into if you're not being intentional. And so that's a good place to start and then working with that. Um, so my family has a rhythm and I, I break our day into like four quadrants and in that on those four quadrants, it's the second quadrant that I know I'll get my 90 minutes in, but that quadrant is more like three to four hours. And I have other things that I'm also trying to get done in that same time. So we just pick up and put down school as it happens. And if it doesn't happen in that quadrant, I'll pick it up later because I have other pockets of time throughout the day. And that's how I, I don't know if this is a great way to explain it, but that's how I kind of um, intentionally kind of frame out my day and have rest periods because the whole point of the 90 minutes is um, really following our natural rhythms that we have in our bodies. We have like a circadian rhythm, which is 24 hours. um, And that's based on the sun and it's our sleep wake cycle. And like I mentioned earlier, some people are early, some people are late, but everyone has a circadian cycle. And then we all have ultradian cycles, which um, those are, cycles that are smaller than a day. And they're just regular biorhythms that humans naturally have. And if you start to pay attention to it, you can kind of notice it. And they range from 80 to 120 minute cycles with kind of 90 minutes being in the middle of that. And what it looks like is you'll have 90 minutes of activity and then 20 minutes of rest. And then you'll pick up with another 90 minutes activity. And your body just naturally does this. You kind of have these surges of energy and then you need like a little break or a rest. Um, and so then you have infradian rhythms and that's the last one. And those are kind of that seasonal thing you were talking about earlier, Robin, about like, you know, schooling with the seasons or being more in touch with the seasons, kind of like the tides, um, you know, females work off of um, an infradian rhythm with their menstrual cycle. So it's tapping into kind of who we are and we get, we've, we've lost touch. You've talked about that earlier too, but for me, it's just like, targeting the day and I break the 90 minutes into six sections so that I have a framework to help me um, explain to myself. But then to anyone who asks, I'm able to identify, yes, we did math today and this is what we did. And I know you do this a lot um, about just journaling what what happened and what occurred. So that's what I was doing when I realized I could make this into maybe like a recipe would be the best way to describe it. A a good family recipe card that I could share with others and they could learn the system of how to work with the ingredients 
and add their own flavors, but work within the structure of a recipe to be able to educate all of their children in 90 minutes a day. Mm, Okay. See, there you go again, the recipe, the great metaphors. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love metaphors. (laughs) My children are (laughs) them, but I love this metaphor. (laughs) So, you know, what's crazy is I did not even realize, but of course it does. It makes total sense that there's the circadian cycle, our rhythms of our 90-minute activity, 20-minute rest, um, yeah, it absolutely follows that. I don't know why I didn't realize that before, but as soon as oh, as soon as you're talking about, it, I'm like, yes, of course, that's right. Now <laughs> you can't even exactly. see it. You'll be texting yeah, me no. like, I just hit another 20, 20 minute rest period. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and so I'm going to ask you more because I know someone will say, well, can you, you know, can, I would like, I want to know more details from Kelly of exactly how that's laid out. But, but first I want to, cause it's in my mind at the moment. Um, there's this book called deep work by Cal Newport. And he talks about, he's a professor. I can't remember where, but he, his book just talks about um, one, the importance of deep work and how he fought, feels that with our many distractions that we have today with, you know, technology, social media, emails, all those sort of things, we are missing our deep work because we're constantly distracted by the things mm-hmm. around us. So yeah. everything becomes very surface level. Like it's yeah. not, it's not deep. Um, but essentially that our deep work, you know, to do that, mm-hmm. we need to step away and have quiet mm-hmm. to be out in nature, to just walk with just, and have no plan or agenda just to do nothing really in order to, to get into our deep work cycle. But he also talks about how um, he had visited somebody and how they had this kind of structure sketched out of this the ideal work environment for the deep work. And it's kind of like almost the way I saw it as like a long building separated into rooms that are attached to each other that allows you to go deeper as you go into each room. Mm. Um, but it but it also he also talked about exactly that that really once we get into our our cycles like that we have that intense focus activity work activity or creation um like the circadian rhythms right where we focus like 80 to 120 minute cycles mm-hmm. and we can intensely focus for those 90 minutes or so and then we need to almost kind of like we you know, our brain kind of steps off the gas pedal a little bit and slows down before we can get back into to that cycle. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was, you know, and now I'm like, I want to go back into that little um, description of the other, was that diagram of how those rooms that we go in. But, yeah, it, it really fits well with just, again, our natural rhythms and flow of how you've created that and just how the body works. And how, you know, important that is to, because I think we fight our natural rhythms so much, right? In yes. our lives. Yes. And, and we're going against our natural rhythms and natural mm-hmm. states. And then we're also telling our kids, because they're so much more in tune with their natural <laughs> they rhythms. They really are. <laughs> yeah. And then we're telling them, no, you need to do, you know, like it's, it's, it's like we've got things flipped upside down. Yes. Yes. That's well said right there. We need to just, that's why we're child led. Because yes, they feel better right. 
Right. Yeah, they do. Follow their lead because they really do. And and, and that goes for more than just like how they spend their time. Like watch how a child, a toddler eats. They eat correctly. And the best of us have this like aberration. (laughs) Right. You know, they're truer, more pure individuals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they really like, they're really into something, like into a certain food and they just want that and to fill themselves with that. And usually it is something like a need in their body. That's like, whatever this is, it's like, I need more of it. That's giving me what I need for that moment. Yeah. 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 So much to learn from our kids. So much to learn. It's true. <laughs> So then you talked about you break you you have your six sections. Can you talk a little bit more about that and and what that looks like? Sure. Um, so I break the ninety minutes into sections, and so everything that you and I just talked about is you know for adults, and so children just are they run on the same rhythms, but you know we do need to follow them, and and most young children, and the ninety minutes is kind of geared towards elementary s- students because I I truly believe that after sixth grade they really can have a say so. I mean they can have a say so the whole time, but they're they're more equipped to be able to really direct their own learning, and I think that that's where where unschooling is sort of this beautiful thing for um, older older students, especially, and I know that it works for all ages. But in my head, that's that's how it works. For anyone that's totally new to this, and they're like, okay, so Kelly mentioned six sections that she breaks it into. What does that look like? How do you break that up? The six sections would be broken out into um, the first one is morning time, and I know that that is a common thing in homeschool but I'll define it really quick. So morning time, and everybody does morning time differently, but I would define it as kind of your time to connect as a family. And so if you had like a teenager, they could still participate in morning time, even though they're doing their own studies away from the rest of the children. Um, But morning time is character development. And that's where you really kind of hone into your family values and what makes your family unique. You would incorporate music, you might incorporate some movement, um, any kind of memorization work, um, if you're working on something of that nature. And then also um, in our homeschool, and I think it's very important, is to um, talk about time and to kind of do some calendar work so that young children can really understand today, tomorrow, yesterday, months of the year. Um, so that's how I would define morning time. So that would be the first of the six. And then the second is going to be uh, read aloud time. And that's a time where the adult or a child reads aloud, uh, reads aloud from a chapter book. It can be picture books, but it's good to just kind of have some variety. Um, you might read a textbook. It might be something else that ties into what you're studying. But this is the time where you would sit down and read aloud as a family. And the children need to be rolling around the floor. They need to be building with blocks. And if they're wiggling, studies have shown that movement and um, listening, it actually helps them um, retain the information better than just making them sit still. Sometimes I have to say, okay, you guys got to calm down a little bit because you're distracting me. (laughs) (laughs) But So those would be the first two, the morning time and read aloud. And then the third, um, section of the day would be activity. And this can be very simple or it can be more involved. But again, this is just a short period of time where you are doing something together. You might go for a walk. If you're learning about something that pertains to something you might have in the neighborhood, you might do, um, if you're studying China, you might do some like Kung Fu moves or you might uh, play with chopsticks. Um, Kind of, it's just something you're doing together. 
um, as a family for a short period of time to kind of expand on the learning and to pick up skills. This would be a great time for art, for some map work if you wanted to throw in geography, um, different things of that nature. So that's kind of an activity time. And then um, it doesn't have to be complicated. And then, so those are your first three areas that I would say are your content areas. This is where you you build content because learning is just building your banks of knowledge. And those three areas work well for that. And then the last three areas are your skill work. That's your reading, writing, and arithmetic. And those are skills that you're developing throughout your entire life. It doesn't just stop when you graduate high school. You're always going to be needing to write. You're always going to need to read something. And you're going to need to do math. So um, that skill work is super short. And it's just a little dive into it, or it can last longer if the child is wanting to, but it's to, for the child to work on their own reading skills. So when they're really little, they're reading aloud, or um, as they get older, they're reading independently, and they need to come back and narrate to you or be able to answer some questions or perhaps write a little synopsis, something so that you know that they did their reading, and then have their writing, and that's... Um, especially with the little guys using those fine motor skills so that they can hold the pencil. I think we oftentimes start children too young um, learning how to write and they don't actually have the muscles developed to be able to be successful. So this, this whole 90 minutes is all about setting your child up for success, not comparing them to others and setting them up so that they can move forward without getting labeled or feeling like they're not the academic that each child is. And then the last one, of course, is math and just working with them on their math skills uh, for a short period of the day. So those are the six areas, morning time, read aloud, um, activities, and then reading, writing, and arithmetic. Okay. That's does, the it look the day. <laughs> does it look the same for you every day? Um, yes. I am very, very structured seasonally. So my homeschool uh, from about September until somewhere in March um, we kind of have, we kind of study um, a historical spine and we really get hit the books and we do a full 90 minutes. Um, but then when it starts getting nice outside, we start spacing out and we might, and we usually do a four day school week. Um, and then uh, in the spring, we're going to be more outside and these look more like unit studies where we're focusing on a particular subject. Like we did um, chickens. We incubated the chickens. We learned a lot about chickens this spring. We learned about seeds. We learned about frogs. We learned about uh, bees and flowers and gardening. Um, and those are all things that we can kind of do a lot of outside, which is where the kids want to be. That's where I want to be. And it helps everyone to not have conflict if we're all doing what we naturally want to do, which is to be outside in that season. And then summertime, we do camp mom. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, I, I kind of put a lot on there. And that's just my spin where we're doing summertime activities, but I'm, I'm kind of couching them in learning on the sly. So my kids think they're on summer break, but we really school year round. And then we kind of pick it back up in the fall. So it kind of gives us a different movements throughout the year and different approaches to education that kind of spice it up and make it feel fresh. Oh, and at Christmas time, we, we don't do anything in December. We just do Christmas school which I know a lot of homeschooling families do. And I think it's, it's another fun way to kind of break up the year. Right. Christmas school. Yeah. I call it Christmas school. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, baking or yeah, like stories do. around the season. Yeah. We learn like about, that. we learn about um, the holidays and the different holidays. Um, and then we bake, we craft, we spend a lot of time giving back, um, doing different things. Uh, we'll go to visit, um, not last year, but, when we, when we can go and visit, um, 
old folks' homes and, and, you know, bring things to our neighbors. And I try to instill that throughout the year. You know, um, we do May Day. That's something yeah, I love your May Day. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do May Day. And then, you know, like, I try to keep in mind when my girls play violin, they, they have a violin instructor that lives in the neighborhood. And um, on days where we have a little extra time, I send them to someone who lives alone and have them just play for them. So um, nice. I, I just want to teach them to be thinking of others and be aware of those in their community that live alone, especially in the past year. Yeah, especially in the past year. Yeah. Can you can you talk about, because I know what you do for May Day, but not everybody else does. What do you, <laughs> what's another, because it's also a form of service, yes. um, May Day. So what, what do you do for that? Okay, well, May Day um, is May 1st. And it's kind of a, an ancient, ancient holiday to celebrate spring. And um, people used to do this a lot. It's like an old tradition that, um, you know, we're, we're trying to bring back. And what you do is you just um, create a little basket or a little bag of either some kind of little nibble, like a little treat, a little cookie, or fill it with flowers. Uh, some years we've done both. And... Um, the kids, we, we make our own baskets usually out of like a paper plate or something simple, simple, like a cone. And we make these baskets, the kids decorate them. And we have a long list of neighbors that we hit up and they love it because they go out on their bikes and I'm supervising and they ding dong ditch. And so for those of you who don't know what ding dong ditch is, they run up to the house. It's, it's supposed to be an, an um, uh, anonymous. And so they'll hang the basket on the doorknob and they'll knock or ring the doorbell and then they'll run. <laughs> it's so fun because they get this thrill of doing something wrong, but really they're doing something good and kids need risk and they need to have um, a lot of um, thrill seeking. And, and I'm just trying to turn it into a positive way. And, and of course the neighbors now know who's doing it because they've been caught over the years, but it's just fun for everybody. And uh, it's something that we all, we look forward to do as a family. Right. And they're they're welcomed with this wonderful surprise when they open the door, whether they they see anyone there or not, but they're gifted with something special upon opening. So yeah, yes, I love yes, that. And I think that's a great idea. I know when you shared on your story, your Instagram story, and Zara and I, my daughter, and I watched it, and yeah, we were like, oh, let's do that next year. That's so fantastic. It's so good. It is super fun. It's just, it's fun. It's, it is fun watching like the little tiny <laughs> Once take off, my toddler was all into it. She doesn't know what's going on. She's like, we're just running. And it's intense. <laughs> and I didn't even think, but it's true. It's like the bit of danger to it too, yeah. right? The risk. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's like that adrenaline, but, you know, but within that contained space as well. So. Yeah, like yeah. Get, I, I'm all about getting your adrenaline um, uh, peg filled, but we just need to do it in safe, you know, um, orderly ways. So this is this is a yeah. good way to do it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay, nice. So and I like how because I I know listeners appreciate that, especially when guests lay out the idea of you know, what, how, what that looks like, not just, you know, what you've created, but what that looks like, the examples in your home of, of, you know, for example, like very clearly the six sections, which is good. Cause usually, you know, that is a question we'll get, well, what does your day look like? What is, what does a homeschool week look like in your home? You know, um, because usually we have this clear idea from a classroom setting right. of how it's it's organized, um, how the classroom's organized, how subjects are organized, and the time periods have to be fulfilled. But because homeschoolers usually find their groove, um, it's not always just this 
10 checklist, um, you know, people want to know. So it's, it gives a really clear picture. So thank you very much. Absolutely. I'm all about practical applications. I, I receive yes, it and then yes. I want to redistribute. <laughs> <laughs> and you're good. You have a really good skill for that. So oh, that's good. It's really good. So I also wanted to, to talk a little bit about um, Kelly and I originally connected through Clubhouse, through the app Clubhouse. And um, I don't know, like we were in some rooms together, I think, some homeschooling rooms. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked Kelly. <laughs> I, I lo- like, you know, she's, uh, you can tell she's really positive and um, great ideas. And yeah, yeah, uh, we, we connected for sure. And um, and then we decided to, you know, we did a few, you know, we would chat off offline and we decided to to go into something to, I'm trying to think how the best way to word this here. We wanted to create something together, right? And it was really your first brainchild and you were like, hey, what do you think about this? Um, and I wanted to talk about it today on this episode uh, because we're putting together a homeschooling summit on Clubhouse on the app that, as far as I know, is the first homeschooling summit that will be hosted on Clubhouse. Um, And our homeschooling summit is, you know, is a way to reframe, but also uh, inspiration and encouragement for families that are looking to just begin homeschool or refresh their homeschooling. And we thought we focused on three themes that we felt are a strong foundation for homeschooling that we see that cross for all of, no matter what kind of homeschooling we do, that cross over for all homeschool families. And that's connection, calm, and confidence. Did you want to talk a little bit about um, what's going on? (laughs) What we're doing with that? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm just honored and excited that you're doing it with me, Robin. I think that this is going to be such a fun experience for us and for everyone who joins us. And um, I just love Clubhouse because it is the community that we as moms and homeschoolers and humans need. Um, You know, obviously in person is best, but if anything has been learned over the past year or so, it's that we can find community in alternate places. And I feel like Clubhouse is an excellent avenue to come as your authentic self because you do not have to have a screen or a picture and you're not having to present the picture perfect image because you're also not wanting to like air is something that's not yours to air type of thing. And you can just show up as you and have a conversation and support one another. And that's what homeschool families really need. And on days where we're not meeting up with our homeschool friends, I can just log on to Clubhouse and have a conversation with uh, like-minded individuals uh, to encourage each other, to equip one another, to share resources. And Robin and I are looking forward to having a very special day, August 6th where we are going to um, allow some extremely talented individuals speak to all of us about homeschooling. And then Robin and I are going to break it down with people in some workshops afterwards. And that's kind of how I would lay it out. It's got, it's got a, a great theme to it and it's simple and streamlined and we're going to have fun. Yeah, it will be fun. And it's actually, it's, we, we have three keynotes um, that will be presenting separately in um, one after the other in their own separate rooms. And then Kelly and I, after each keynote, are going to bring it all together for questions and discussions. And the great thing about Clubhouse is it's 
it's not just, you're not just listening. You, if you want to have that engagement, if you want to share stories, if you want to ask questions all in live time, all in real time, you can do that, which is really, really nice. Yes. That or is if you want that. to be an active listener, you can do that too. <laughs> but Yeah, you can do the dishes and get educated on homeschool stuff at the same time, which is also exactly. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can listen. And actually the other day I was driving to a meeting and I put it on my Bluetooth and just listened to a room, an education room uh, while I drove. And um, you can do that too, as well, instead of listening to the radio or whatever else. Sometimes I listen to a podcast and, um, but that day it was, I thought, Hey, you know what? I can, I can listen to clubhouse and you also get a whole bunch of different ideas and viewpoints. You have the variety of people that come up to the stage to share um, their experiences, which only adds to that diversity of it mm. as well. Yes. And, and, and then hearing the different viewpoints. Yeah, I love it. I just think it's the greatest thing. It's like when you need community, it's kind of on demand. And, uh, yeah. and yeah. kind of what we were talking about earlier about our, our, you know, we've kind of lost touch with being connected and following like the natural way of doing things. And and, you know, there's a lot of advancements and in, in things of living in the modern age, but we have kind of lost the small town community um, support network that uh, days of old seemed to have had. So I, I think Clubhouse is a great tool and I encourage everyone to go ahead and sign up. DM me and Robin, if you need an invite, we'd be more than happy to get you set up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you are interested in the summit, it's actually called How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler. Kelly and I have both connected with so many homeschoolers or those who are looking into the journey that, you know, just want a little bit of additional support and encouragement. And we've connected with a lot through Clubhouse. And we thought, you know, this would be something different that we can also offer at a time of year, it's August 6th, uh, that, you know, some are just starting their year or going to be getting into their year. And, you know, it's a great way, again, to have a resource, information, and then community as well. So um, how to be an awesome homeschooler. If you want to sign up and be part of the registration, um, go to howtobeanawesomehomeschooler.com. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. Save your spot. For those that register, you also will be receiving, there's a whole bunch of extras and freebies too. So I'm recommending you to go there and to find out more information. And Kelly and I will be talking about it via social media and um, on Clubhouse as well coming up. Great. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it will be for sure. I'm, I'm excited. So I wanted to also, before we, before we sign off, I wanted to ask you, because you always have such great advice. And if you want to have a metaphor for this too, <laughs> you're more than welcome. <laughs> If, what advice would you give to parents that are looking to homeschool, that are just, you know, they haven't taken the step yet, but they're just looking to get started? What would you offer to parents that are in that situation right now? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, and now I can't think of a metaphor, but I'll just answer it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and say, I'll come up with one maybe as I talk. Um, I, I would just say, like, if you're interested in homeschooling, um, if you're listening to this in the summertime, go ahead and try it out. Go ahead and do what um, 
a lot of us know as de-schooling. And that is kind of unschooling yourself in the forms of how you are educated and open your mind to um, a new way to do it that is choose your own adventure. And just start by picking up a great book um, at the library. And if you don't if you don't know of one, uh, the librarians can help you. You can um, e- email Robin or I. We'd be more than happy to hook you up with some book recommendations. But mm-hmm. um, I would just start with reading to your kids and just develop a love of reading. Just read a book this summer. And then you're probably doing more than you know. Just start paying attention to um, the cooking you're doing. And that's math. And, and the different things you're doing. And try it on for size. You don't have to tell anybody, but just kind of get your feet wet and be confident in yourself that you are your child's first teacher. You are the person that cares more about your child's intellectual and academic uh, achievement than anyone else. The best teacher in the whole wide world has their own kids, perhaps. Um, And they can love on your kid as much as you want, but they're not their kid. And so you are uniquely qualified to do this. And um, I would just not let overthinking or insecurity or self-doubt get you down. I would plug in with some local people in your area that homeschool or online on Clubhouse, perhaps, and just start listening and educating yourself um, and and knowing that you can do it because it's it's not as hard as it looks. And um, it sure is a fun journey. And uh, it really gives you some special time with your kids. I love that. Yeah. And I, yeah, the summer is a perfect opportunity as well. I agree. All right. So where can we find you, Kelly, if we want to connect with you, if we do have those questions so we can connect with you on Clubhouse, but where else? Your website, 90minuteschoolday.com. And where else can we connect? Yes, definitely the website, 90minuteschoolday.com. You can find me on Instagram at 90minuteschoolday. And again, the 90, as Robin pointed out earlier, is 90 minute school day spelled out and then on clubhouse they didn't have enough characters allowed to me so i'm at 90 min min short for minute (laughs) 90 min school day Um, and i just love to hear from everyone uh robin thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure when i get to spend time with you my pleasure my pleasure just love it so looking forward to (laughs) august 6th for sure I am too. And I'm going to put all of the links in the show notes. So if you don't want to type any of that in, you can just go straight to the show note links and just tap the links and uh, go to Kelly's website or Instagram. I'll I'll have all of that in the show notes as well. So, all right. And Kelly and I are looking forward to seeing you virtually uh, via Clubhouse August 6th for the summit. And in the meantime, yeah, you're welcome to DM us and ask us any questions beforehand, but you can check out how how to be an awesome homeschooler and we can continue our conversations on there as well. Awesome. Thank you, Robin. This has been a great experience and I just love the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. I always appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Anytime.